Okay, everybody be quiet. Here we go. Ted's favorite song. When I think Ted Bo, that's the music I, I hear in my head. That's like your anthem, isn't it, Ted? It, it is. This is actually on my alarm. <laughs> every morning? Or the way you roll, every 2 p.m.? It's 2 p.m. in some time zone. This is kind of a late morning, you know, or early for you, I guess, than today. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast, number 185. Um, I guess technically you can call this a guestless uh, episode, but it's not really a guestless. We're just shifting Ted from co-hosting duties to guest duties because, Ted, you've been working on some pretty cool stuff lately. I have. Yeah, yes. with, a bunch of, with a bunch of people. Exactly. So we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, but first, also uh, joining us in her traditional co-host role is Anna Collada. Hey, Anna, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm doing how, well. How are things in the Midwest? Pretty good. Um, did you just have a camp out in your area? Am I remembering right? Um, I went to the Midwest Developer Summit a couple weeks ago. Oh, and how was that? In Ann Arbor. That was really good. There was a lot of really good discussions. Um, it's fun just to go there and be around and just hear conversations and kind of get a sense of all the things that nobody ever wants to put in writing, but that still need to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Were there any specific uh, project sprints? Um, I know there were some panels work getting done uh, by Jacob and David. Mm-hmm. Um, no big um, push towards one thing or another, just you know, okay. folks working on different things. And then the security team had a big presence and uh, okay. the outside in block editing got, had some work done there. All right. Well, we might be talking about that in a minute. So that's kind of cool. Um, was it only a sprint or were there sessions involved as well? It was only a sprint. Oh, okay. It was uh, a couple of days of sprinting. Michael Hess organized it, did a wonderful job. We checked out a lot of the uh, you know local uh, hotspots of Ann Arbor. Uh, I had a great time, and I really hope that he organizes it again next year. Yeah, because that doesn't sound like that's too far from the Chicagoland area. Yeah, it was a you know, five-hour bus ride, I think. Oh, okay. All right, cool. And also joining us is from uh, the what is it, the City of Roses, Portland? Is that right, Ryan? It is the City of Roses, yes. We have a lovely rose garden up on the hill on the west side of town where I lived for the first uh, six months that I have not been to because it was closed for renovations. <laughs> uh, it's open now, but I haven't been yet. And we should mention, I don't think we've had you on the podcast, but you uh, have a new employer, don't you? Yeah, I think we did do one, but maybe you weren't on it. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I work for Palantir.net now. And um, I think people in Drupal know this, but the .net is very important. Very there's important. another there's another company called Palantir, and they're in the news for political stuff. We don't need to go into it, but um, <laughs> somebody like asked me the other day, like the CEO of your company is a blah blah blah, and I'm like, nope, this is different .net. Palantir. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, but uh, no, really fun place to work. Really smart people work there, and uh, it's a 20 year old company, so they just recently celebrated 20 years in business. Wow, wow, very cool. Before right, well, Drupal real was quick, a gleam in Dries's eye. Yeah, I kind of want to ask now: What did they start off doing? Just 
just uh, making general web, web general websites, flat HTML pages and stuff. Okay. And right. moved into, you know, dynamic stuff. They actually had their own CMS and then they started doing a couple of Drupal projects and they realized that uh, Drupal was way better than their CMS that they were developing and being involved with the community and particularly a community with an active security team was going to be a really good idea. You can hear all about it on the Palantir podcast. Oh, there you go. And that uh, Ken does that, right? Ken Rickard? No, um, Allison Manley is the host of the show. She is oh, okay. the one of the account managers at Palantir. And then um, she actually has a different member of the Palantir team or sometimes the clients. Um, Ken has done some episodes, though, I think. Yeah, I, the reason I said Ken is because he was he recorded quite a few at GovCon. So that's why I assumed Ken was doing them all the time. I did not know that, but that's cool. Definitely check that out. Let's um, Ryan, let's put the link to their pod to their your podcast or the Palantir dot net podcast in the show notes, so people can check out that um, that as well. Sounds good. So bef- before we get into the main topic which is uh, the outside-in stuff that Ted's been working on that's coming to Drupal 8.2. Let's uh, quickly mention Drupal 6 long-term support from mydropwizard.com. So if you have a Drupal 6 site still, that's okay. I'm sure, you know, there's thoughts in the back of your minds where you're thinking to yourself, hmm, I really should update this to, you know, Drupal 7 or Drupal 8, but maybe you just don't have the time or the bandwidth or the budget to do it yet. Um, since Drupal 8 is now out, Drupal 6 is no longer officially supported by the community. So what can you do to make sure that your Drupal 6 site stays safe and secure? Well, you can engage a company like MyDropWizard. Um, for a fee, they will um, help keep your Drupal 6 site up to date with security patches um, and just keep an eye on it for you and, and kind of continue the the you know, applying patches that the community no longer uh, supplies automatically. Um, they also do support and maintenance for Drupal 7 and 8, so no matter what version of Drupal you have, if you don't want to you know, be involved with you know, security updates or, or module updates anymore, you should definitely check out mydropwizard.com. Um, if you are an agency and have a number of clients with Drupal sites, you can actually white label um, the service for mydropwizard.com and offer that to your clients as well. So definitely want to check this out at mydropwizard.com slash drupal-6-lts. Mr. Ted Bowman. Hey. There you are. Okay. So tell us, um, you know, so there have been a, a few blog posts about outside in. There have been some, you know, kind of whiz-bang mock-up, you know, animated GIFs or videos. Um, but it seems like the first bit of reality of, of this has landed in a Drupal Core, you know, that we'll all be able to play with soon in Drupal 8.2. So for uh, those of us who are just now hearing the phrase outside in or maybe have heard about it but not sure what it is, why don't you give us kind of the elevator pitch for uh, outside in? So I think the idea uh, is that when you install Drupal and you want to change certain things, when you look at the site, it's not really obvious how to do those things. Like, I guess example is uh, the site name. Um, uh, if you... There's a contextual link on the site name that says configure block, but that doesn't actually let you change the actual site name. 
um, it lets you change like things like you know include the slogan or include the logo. Um, so it's just generally not super obvious how to get to stuff. It, I, I guess if if you've been doing Drupal, it seems really obvious, but the idea that for somebody new, it might not be so obvious. Um, and then you're taken to the admin screen, so you don't see what you're, even if you can, even if the thing you're trying to change, you do find it, you're, you're on the admin screen, so you can't sort of see it in place. So the idea is to make it really easy for you just to click an area, to go into an editing mode, click on the site name or click a menu and to be able to actually change things that are relative either to, to what you just clicked on. So the first example, right now we have the ability to change, to configure blocks in a sort of minimal way. Uh, but with those, like on the site name, you can actually change the site name and slogan, but also on the menu items, you can actually, uh, you know, edit and reorganize the actual menu itself in a sort so of off canvas tray. So I guess outside in then refers to the fact that when you're looking at your site from the outside or f from the public, yeah. Um, the idea behind this is rather than having to navigate to the admin area and then find, let's use the site name example because that's a pretty good example. You know, go find the right page within the configuration menu um, to, to actually make that change. Ideally, you should be able to. You know, with within one click from the outside, from the public side yeah. of the website, you know, click something and have that that configuration setting kind of surfaced right there for you. Yeah, basically, because otherwise, it's really it's not obvious where you change some of those things. And right now, we haven't. You know, there's it's a limited amount of things that mm -hmm. you know we that you have access to edit. But the idea is that uh, we could expand this pattern to other things in the future. So this, I mean, this initiative isn't really for people who are already, you know, like, you know, the four of us who are super familiar with Drupal and know exactly where to go in the admin area. This is more for, um, you know, people who are newer to Drupal or, or who are in charge of, you know, maintaining a Drupal site, not necessarily building a Drupal site. Um, I don't know about that. Like, I guess another example would be the place block module that's getting an 8.2. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, we all know how to place a block. But right now, now that the place block module is in, it basically puts a link up on the right corner. And um, this is so this is separate from outside in. But it lets you click that and then easily be able to place a block on the current screen. Like, I know how to do it without that, but right now I always turn that on and I find it annoying to do it the old way. So I think even though it's, you know, will benefit new people in that it'll surface stuff that might be harder for them to find, I think the fact that it's just less clicks to get there eventually maybe will, you know, just for anybody want managing a site, hopefully it'll be an easier way, but you know, it's experimental. So, you know, we still right. have flexibility to test that out, see if that's true, make changes and stuff like that to sort of make, make it easier. So when I first started hearing about outside in and after I read, you know, um, Dries's initial blog post, which we'll have a link in the show notes, um, I immediately um, thought of um, outside in being similar to like panels in place editor, where without panels in place editor, you know, you'd have to go into the admin menu, into structure pages, and you know, edit your content there. Um, but with in place editor, from 
you know the, the the public side of your website, you can hit a button and you know you're magically transformed into this edit mode where you can move things around. Um, yeah, it, it's similar to that, and and so it introduces uh, this off canvas tray, which the idea hopefully is to spin that off into a library like the the current modal system is, okay. so that anybody could use this off canvas tray or any contrib module or other parts of core. Um, and I actually talked um, with people involved with panels IPE and that, you know, they're sort of thinking that eventually, hopefully they would use some sort of, they would like to make this, you know, if I outside in becomes once outside in becomes stable, they would sort of like to be able to use the off canvas tray too to do their configuration. So is that off canvas tray, is that always in the same place or is there flexibility there? Um, right now it's always in the same place. Um, there's an issue to make like a bottom up one because that's what an IPE uses now. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, right now the one that's in there comes in from the right. Is that correct? Yeah. And, um, so that would, yeah, that would be one of the options. And I think the idea is that, you know, in Drupal seven, I don't, was that, did that introduce the modal system? Um, you know, the modal system, Whatever, it, whether you liked it or not, a lot of contrib modules used it. So you had a sort of um, unified experience across contrib modules opening up this modal. Um, so we're sort of hoping that contrib would adopt this too, so that you have a kind of unified experience of, okay, if I want to configure something, it's going to open up here on the right, and I'll still be able to see you know, my site while I'm editing it. Um, so whether it's the stuff that's block configuration like we have now and outside in or future stuff like panels IPE or other modules would also be able to use this pattern. I wonder if for, you know, right to left languages, if it's more natural for that tray to be on the left-hand side. Yeah, it does. It switches on like right to left. Oh, does it? Okay. All right, yeah. That's cool. And because that's sort of following the um, in core the administration menu opens up on the right and right to left. Oh, so, I did not know that. Cool. Yeah. So we actually close out when you open up the tray, it closes out that management window if you have it open. But it seems like if that's switched, then, you know, we should also switch. You mean my screen right. shouldn't be like one inch wide? <laughs> <laughs> Just have We're all still... the panels open, like a bottom panel from Panelizer and a side one and some more top ones, like... I want well, it to so feel that's... like Microsoft Word or like Photoshop with all the panels open. Yeah, so that's the other thing I talk with the people at the panels IPE is even if they don't use it right away, we need to make some sort of system where they would know if it's open or to be able to close it, you know, when they open theirs, close ours or vice versa. So that um, uh, we don't we don't have this. Um, this, yeah, this sort of experience of, you know, every contrib module does it in a different way. And then there are conflicting trays where, you know, you don't know if, if one's open or not. So right now the off canvas tray part is actually pretty simple. It's just a Drupal request that gets rendered there. So it's pretty easy to use it. It's pretty much just like, it's actually now just got, um, refactored to use the regular dialogue system. Um, it looks similar to what it is out there in the videos, but it's just using the existing dialogue system. So it's pretty much you 
specify some things in the off-canvas tray pretty much almost exactly like you would specify it to be in the modal. So when we hear that, you know, there's going to be bits of outside in in Drupal 8.2, exactly what has gotten into 8.2 then? So right now what's got in is the off-canvas tray and then on each... So is that is that implemented as part of core or as part of a separate module within yeah, core? Yeah, so that's, that's part of a separate module. So eventually the idea is we might okay. try to spin that off into part of core, but like when you yeah. do an experimental module... Um, it's got to be separate. Yeah, that makes yeah sense. it's got to be separated out. And especially so what's that called? What's that module called? Outside in. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, there, is an issue, there is an issue about the name. Um, so if people don't think that's a good name, there is an issue for it. Um, I know I, I, I think I'm fine with that, although I can understand where people have an issue with the name. Um, yeah. the off canvas tray seems, you know, short, well, short and descriptive. <laughs> yeah. So, so the issue also with the name is, I guess it's not completely clear, you know, is this going to remain a separate module or will it become part of the quick edit module? Um, oh, right, right. So I haven't really been worried too much about the name because um, I could see that in the future, or well, maybe this won't be a totally separate module. I mean, to introduce like an experimental feature that we want to be able to iterate fast over and um, have people play around with without actually saying, okay, this needs to be concrete just the way it's going to be um, till Drupal 9, and we, you know, you have to put it in an experimental module. Sure, but, but it doesn't. I, I guess experimental modules are new to the Drupal eight cycle, so I don't know if all this has worked out yet. But um, what do you I mean? Just, you guess? Haven't you been involved with Drupal for more than a year or so? <laughs> <laughs> slightly longer, uh, actually, yeah. just slightly. Um, but yeah, so the idea is that like, well, maybe it won't be a separate module once it gets stable. Um, I'm not sure if that's the true with outside in, but like the other module that I was mentioning, place block that got into 8.2, I could definitely see that being just there. Maybe there won't eventually be a place block module. It'll just be part of the block module. So outside in, as it stands right now, it just seems like it's kind of like an API module and doesn't really do much on its own unless you have well, another module that's actually using it or... No, so... The thing that it really does is it introduces this edit pattern where, you know, you have the top toolbar now where you click edit and the contextual links are pretty, are just uh, surfaced, but that's about all it does. So it changes that edit mode to when you click it, all of your, what are, what we're calling like outside and editable regions, which right now are just blocks, um, have dotted lines on them. And when you hover over them, they, um, uh, they change color. But if you click anywhere in those regions, not, not necessarily in the contextual links, if you just mm -hmm. click anywhere in there, it opens the configuration on the right. And also we disable all links and all forms. So basically once you go into this edit mode, it's like, okay, you're editing configuration on your site and you don't intend to leave that page until you go back to the toolbar and click editing again and get out of edit mode. So it's sort of like switching... Okay. You know, sort of switching what your your current purpose on the site is, and then what? So when you when you click on a block and it goes, it the tray opens. What what options are there? Just like whatever you would see on like the configure block page. Yeah. Or? So so right now, and this I think there's also an issue for you know what exactly to put in here and, and yeah. 
uh, right now it's the block form um, without the visibility settings, without the region, without the machine name. So it's mostly mostly what's there is the title and then block specific settings. Right. So um, so anything that particular plugin um, surfaces, like say for, okay. the, for the branding block, it's you know these check boxes for the different things you want to show. Yeah. But for individual blocks, we introduced this um, new concept where plugins can have multiple forms. Um, so if that particular block has a off canvas um, form designated, it'll open up that one. So the menu one actually opens up a a form oh, okay. that has those minimalized block settings plus the ability to actually edit the menu. So I could, as a as a module author, I could write a custom block plugin that has specific settings that will only show up in the tray. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because okay. it kind of makes like if you're looking at the block layout page and you click, you know, the site branding one, you probably aren't wanting to change the name of your site. But if you're on the front page of your site and you click the site name, there's a good chance you want to change the site. You know, and you're in edit mode. There's a good chance you want to change the name of your site. So how are I mean, it, it sounds like some of this stuff is like a lot of like little one-off stuff that you're going to have to customize per block. Is that is that kind of the plan where you're going to have to, you know, you're going to go through the blocks that are provided by Drupal Core and kind of make a decision as far as what gets surfaced and what doesn't? Yeah, I mean, right now, like, a lot of the blocks don't have particular settings that would make sense. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them do, but, yeah, the idea would be to, for the blocks that do, to go out and, and make another form handler. Um, and that that handler basically only has to do the stuff that's different from the regular minimal. It'll inherit from the sort of minimized block form. Okay. It doesn't have, doesn't have to take care of that. Um, so I think... I don't know if I, I can't remember if me or Tim Plunkett did that. I feel like I did the site branding block and it's pretty well, simple. For this podcast, you, you've done everything. And yeah, yeah. From what I heard, Tim hasn't done anything, so. <laughs> not, not, not exactly. <laughs> so, so, so is there any, you know, once someone upgrades to 8.2, mm-hmm. is there any danger or risk in them enabling outside in and using it? So, I should say yes because it's experimental module. <laughs> well, okay, so yeah, so that yeah. Was, okay, maybe that wasn't a fair question. No, but I mean it definitely. No, it's a fair question. I would say it's, and we sort of talked about, you know, had a discussion about this. Like, should when do you like when do you promote experimental modules? But I think if you're just wanting to play around with it, we're not, um, you know, we're not doing anything about how data is saved. So. I feel like there's little risk if, you know, if you're a Drupal developer, you're, you're, you know, comfortable with Drupal. I feel there's very little risk to turn it on. Obviously don't turn it on in production experimental mm-hmm. module, you know, first off. Um, but, but turning around and playing with it and sort of evaluating it, I think there's very little risk because we're not changing anything like the way that data is stored or something like that. Um, all right, so what you're, I think I understand. What you're saying is if someone does turn it on and use it and something yeah. goes wrong, they can call you at what number? <laughs> you, can turn it off. you can turn it off pretty easily, right? So I think that would be <laughs> I that. think that number is 6345789, Mike. 
Is there a joke? Is, that's not my number, is it? No, that's not my number. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone but Mike not get it? I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, there is a classic Motown song. See, I immediately went to Jenny and eight, eight six, six, seven, seven five. five. Yeah, that's what I was trying to. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know there was a Motown a Motown song with like a phone number like that. It, it, it's it's sort of the 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 line is like if there's anything you need then just call. That's our number six three four five seven eight nine. It's Jenny. Jenny, you know that's only for a good time. That's not what you're implying. <laughs> <laughs> So the Motown number is more gener- more general. No, it's, it's more need. apropos, Mike. Yes. Oh, for the, for this discussion, yes. I hate when we have hey, to explain you, the joke. Do you want to hear, hear some? Here's something funny about the Jenny number. Is that number around where I live actually rings a phone up at? I probably even well, I guess I'll say it up at Kennedy Space Center. <laughs> And so I knew, I didn't know the guy or the, uh, the the guy whose phone actually rang, but I knew like one of his office mates. And eventually he just, he got a second phone, but he wanted to keep that number. And he just put like an answering machine on it that had some, you know, message saying that Jenny wasn't there, but leave a message. <laughs> but I always thought that was very funny because, you know, it was actually a real number that went to someone who got the joke. So anyway, what were we talking about? We're, yeah, pop songs, Motown. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so outside in, um, that's the outside in module, and yeah. so that, so summarizing just that particular module, it, it does. It's not just an API module. It, it, it no, actually does some stuff that yeah. you know that's that's useful in core. And I guess the goal here, Ted, and I'm just kind of going to guess the answer, and absolutely correct me when I go astray here, is the goal here is to get into core as experimental in hopes that module maintainers start adding things to their module to take advantage of it. Yeah. But I mean, I think feedback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in general though, to make it, make it very useful in core to turn it on. Yeah. It's not like the modal system and that it's just really something as an API. It's really something that hopefully will make it easier to manage a Drupal site. Um, Like you said, it is maybe, maybe it, benefits more like the person who's not an experienced um, Drupal site builder, but just mm-hmm. hopefully that it will be benefit to anybody who turns it on. Well, it sounds like from what you're saying, it's, it's actually an efficiency boost as well. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So unlike, let's say the overlay module, which <laughs> you know, up, any up. chance, any, any opportunity I have to slam the overlay module <laughs> generally take. Okay. So is that the only bit that got into 8.2 or is there anything else? Related to outside in? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it, yeah. So what about the block stuff? I, th- I thought like the block stuff was part of outside in. The block the, configuration the, is that we just talked about. No, but the ability to place a block. No, so that's, um, I think uh, Dries' blog post was saying it has, it has that same sort of purpose of being able, of oh. surfacing something that, um, that, it maybe is hard to figure out, like, to, oh, I have to go to structure, blocks, layout, and then place. Oh, blocks. I understand. Okay. Whereas the place block module, um, which is a different module, but the same idea, like, I'm on the front page. Oh, here's a very convenient link for me to place a block here. I don't have to go to the back end of the site to do it. So, say, 
It's outside in ish, but it's not in the module per se. So is the place block module a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. Yep. That's in 8.2. That's in 8.2. And literally, like, I'm annoyed when it's not on now. Now, is it just me, but doesn't that seem like if it, it's not part of outside in, but it seems like it's doing, like, there's some overlap there. Yeah, so it actually got committed a fair bit before outside in. Um, and my memory, my memory's correct, Peter Wap. I was pretty, pretty well, Lannon. Yeah, well, Lannon did that. Lannon like... seemed annoyed by the fact you didn't know how to pronounce his name. I don't know how many times on this podcast I've had to pronounce his name, fix his spelling in the show notes. This poor man. No, we we love Paul Lannon. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. That's uh, a joke, so, Peter. So I, I think I, I think Peter actually did that at DrupalCon. New Orleans, he posted the patch like shortly after Dries' keynote saying, hey, here's a cool idea that goes along with that idea. Um, so, and yeah, it, you know, there was a lot of work on it and it got committed and yeah, it's oh, just, okay. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it really uh, annoys me when I don't have it on. So it seems like there, you know, there might be in the future, you know, an effort to you know, refactor it to take advantage of the outside in. Yeah, module. there's an there's an issue to um, that I posted okay. to make it use the off canvas tray. Basically, there's an issue to standardize the experience, right? So that it seems like one experience, like you're saying. Well, that's all the questions I have because really that was the main thing that confused me about the outside in was <laughs> that there, there was this other module and then there was place block, but one you know. I, but now it makes perfect sense. I didn't realize that the place block thing was a, was in before outside in and, and kind of a separate thing. Yeah. But right, yeah, cool. hopefully once they're both stable, you won't really have to think about them being separate things. Like it's just like, right. oh, here's how I place a block. Oh, hell, here's how I quickly configure a block and its related settings. So what's your role then? I mean, let's, let's you know, let's kind of dive down. Forget about, you know, the... You know the big picture. Let's just talk about you, Ted, because that's really why we're all here. <laughs> no, what what's your role been in, in in this? Can we call it an initiative? I'm not even sure what the right noun is. Uh, it's it's not an initiative. I don't think in the sense that like um, yeah. the what is the, the workflow initiative and the right. initiative. Is this um, a loophole then in the initiative contract? No, it's just it's an experimental module. Oh. Yeah. All right. So, what's ha, has your role? I mean, are is, are you working with a, a small team of other people? Yeah. Or? So, okay. I'm working with. I think there's like four of us inside OctoAssign. Me, Matt Grill, Kevin O'Leary, uh, Tim Plunkett. Um, but you know, the other people on the team are also helping. And then also, there's other people. Like if you look at the blog post, um, Trees thanks the other people also on the issue. Um, the one that pops to mind is Scott. I don't. Again, I'm not sure. I forget his his uh, name, but it's his username is S K A U G T H. I think. Anyways, he helped on it. Um, uh, so th- yeah, there's a few other people that were were uh, helping on the issue. Um, the four of us were doing it like full time for a few weeks, I think, and then still working on it now. So I was kind of doing like more of like the back-end PHP stuff along with Tim doing that and then delving into some of the JavaScript 
but Matt Grill was was um, was doing more of that, and then Kevin O'Leary was doing designs. Um, I've done a lot more JavaScript than I have for recent, a long time, which is kind of fun. So what's next? I mean, so it seems like getting getting in as an experimental module was a milestone. Yeah. Um, what are kind of some of the next you know big steps that you guys are looking you know for in you know the say the short term and the long term for this? I mean, I, I would like like if we have a pause to try to figure out okay, you know, how else could we use this pattern? So like when you go into edit mode, like you said, hopefully um, contrib will take up this pattern. Um, we have uh, an issue out there to say, because right now when you go into edit mode, all the things in the menu bar except place block get removed, except for your thing to go out of edit mode. Um, so either looking at other things that might go in there or designate a way, basically designate a way for, for contrib modules to say, okay, this is what I also want to happen in edit mode. So I was talking to, again, the panel's IP as an example is like, okay, they would like in edit mode for their stuff to just look seamless. That, you know, when you're clicking on a, a core block and it comes in the off canvas tray, it should be the same experience as when you're inside panels IPE and you click something, it comes in the off canvas tray. And you really shouldn't have to think like, oh, now I'm messing with the core block. Oh, now I'm messing with the panel. Um, it should just be like, that may be like way down the road and it's obviously up to them if they, uh, want to adopt that pattern, but they, um, uh, I guess I talked to Samuel, Sam Mortensen about it, is particularly who I talked about it. Um, he seemed like he liked the idea, um, or actually that was his idea. It wasn't my idea. Um, so there's that, you know, working on accessibility for it. Um, and just generally, you know, it's very experimental right now, making sure it works really well. Um, figuring out, like you said, what else might show up in particular blocks um, for, you know, what other settings re that wouldn't be on the regular block form would make sense to show up in those different areas. Does um, it um, does it operate the same way on mobile? Working on the mobile experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> no, it does. It does. I guess the only difference on the mobile is that you don't have that hover thing, obviously. But I mean, part of it, part of that idea where you can click on any part of a block where, you know, it, it's, it becomes sort of outlined and like the whole block is now a clickable thing. Mm -hmm. I think part of that is to make it easier on mobile is that, you know, you don't have to open up the contextual link and click, you know, quick edit this block. Once you're in edit mode, it's just like you just touch a part of your screen and it, it configures that. Um, so without like disabling forms and other links and stuff like that on the mobile experience, it becomes harder to, you know, quick edit that block if other things in that block are active. So I think part of that was geared towards the mobile experience. Um, Gosh, I should have had a better example for what so, I mean. Right. So, Ted, you you mentioned writing JavaScript. Does JavaScript in Drupal core get tests? It does now, and so right now with the experimental module, it's sort of a minimal test case. For, right now, we have tests for you know going into edit mode, clicking on a block that you could you know just you don't have to click on a particular link. You can just click the block, and it opens up the canvas. Um, there, you know, a couple bugs I found in the, I, I don't think it's actually in the Drupal um, 
uh, JavaScript testing. It's like in one of the libraries we used. So I couldn't write as many tests as, um, as what I would like. The other thing I found is that things like, can, I guess because they, they built the need for all new JavaScript stuff to have tests actually came after a lot of core JavaScript stuff was already done in eight. So for example, right now, there's not actually any JavaScript tests for opening up con like the little contextual link pencil icon, opening up a contextual link and make sure it works. So I would have liked to test that part in outside in, but there wasn't, you know, that test in core. So really we have to go back and write tests for that other part in core, which then outside in could extend. Um, but, but yeah, now core has JavaScript tests, which are great. And so I learned how to do that. Um, so we do have sort of right now, minimal, um, JavaScript uh, tests, but if, you know, if and when this becomes stable, obviously we'll have to have a lot more. And it sounds like this, um, there's a release, a release candidate. Um, is that out yet or is that, no, it's a beta right now, right? And I think yeah. release candidate is next. Yeah, it's in beta right now and we're kind of working furiously to, to get the experience a lot um, better. Um, so well, everybody, everybody else is working furiously. You're kind of goofing off on a podcast right now. <laughs> sounds like so. And there are a bunch of there are a bunch of outside in issues open. So if this <laughs> podcast happens to get published before um, before the release candidate, or actually even after, um, because obviously it's, it'll be work for a while. But um, but yeah, anybody who wants to jump in and help with those issues, there's a lot there's a lot out there, and we could use help for sure. And 8.2 is due to be released well, early October, right? First week of October, something like that? I think so, but the release yes. candidates will already be out there and stuff. So I'm actually doing a, a presentation on blocks in um, at DrupalCon Dublin, so I would love you know this to be in a, a better state to show by then. I'm, I would show it right now and I'd be proud of it for sure, but excited to, to get it in a more stable state. All right, cool. Um, I think we've covered everything with outside in. Uh, have, have we missed anything? I think that's it. Hope I right. did it justice. <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually feel like I understand it about five times better than I did just by reading the blog post. So yeah, and right uh, now you can you, you know you can just download eight point two dev or actually I guess the betas um, and just turn it on, play around with it. Right. Exactly. And then get in the issue queue if you see something. Yeah. Okay. Right. I now have the composer question. Does the beta get sent through the packaging system or do I have to go through composer? And you don't have to answer that question, but I'm just thinking about this out loud. If I you don't know. know. I wouldn't know. Like I like composer, but the speed, I, I understand that there's like an official composer coming and you guys might've talked about this last week. I didn't finish listening to last week's episode. No, we kind of punted on the composers. Well, we talked about it a little bit, knowing that we weren't going to do it justice. I, I think the whole point of composer is that you can specify versions, right? Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's I think it's I think thing. it's a good thing. I really like it as a tool. It's just the downloading Drupal modules with composer is really slow. And I guess I guess with Drupal Core, you're not downloading Drupal modules. You're downloading all the other libraries, which are probably. Right on faster yeah. hosting than going through this volunteer's website 
which is really cool. I don't know. I don't know how much time we want to spend on this, but basically the Drupal composer thing is actually like a, a, a free site set up by somebody and then it got kind of popular and it got sponsored by some companies so that he wouldn't have to pay for all the bandwidth, but it's pretty slow right now. And I think the Drupal Association is working on an official solution. All right, very good. Good, good, good. All right, so let's move on because we do have a hard stop in about 35 minutes. So I want to make sure we get to everything. Um, real quick, let's talk uh, some Drupal Easy news. The next session of the Drupal Career Online program starts on September 26th. If you're interested, go to drupaleasy.com slash DCO. This is our 12-week, three half-days-a-week long-form Drupal training class. We teach a blend of Drupal 7 and Drupal 8. Um, it's a live classroom, so the vast majority of the time you'll be in a classroom with me and, and the other students, and we'll kind of go through um, everything from uh, development workflows, you know, talking about having a local, a dev, a stage, and how to move stuff in between, um, to information architecture, to module, and theme development. So um, it's a very... Uh, um, it, it, I don't know what the, what the right word here is, um, but comprehensive. Let's go with comprehensive. It's a comprehensive uh, course that covers pretty much everything you know to become a, a professional a Drupal developer. Um, so check that out. Uh, also, Ted just mentioned DrupalCon Dublin. Um, I will be there as well, teaching uh, Introduction to Drupal 8 Module Development on the uh, Monday, September 26th. Um, so definitely check that out if you're heading to Dublin and you want to kind of get a leg up on um, Drupal 8 module development, um, by all means, you're, uh, we'd love to have you. And it's the same class we presented in New Orleans, and um, we got a lot of great feedback there. And it's a class we've, we've taught, I think, probably four or five times now. Um, and always good feedback, and um, definitely check that out if you want to get uh, up to speed on Drupal 8 module development. Uh, I do want to mention on the last podcast, we talked about um, a new feature on Drupal.org um, involving the security team where modules that were covered under um, security team, uh, well, module releases that were covered by the security team now um, have a shield icon on them right on the project page. And I think we used the word vetted, that if you see a module with the shield, that means the module code has been vetted. And... Um, we were talking about it after the podcast and as well as this morning. We're pretty sure vetted is the wrong word there. Um, vetted implies that the security team has actually reviewed the code um, and, and you know, made updates or, or, you know, recommended updates to the code from a security standpoint. And that's definitely not the case. Um, modules that have that security icon, if there is a security issue um, and there is an official release with that security icon, then the security team will get involved and work with the module maintainer to uh, update uh, the module. Um, I think that's probably a much better way of saying it. And I'm going to just turn to the, our co-hosts here and make sure. Do you guys agree with, with that characterization? Well, for one, you won't be seeing that shield on any sandbox modules or dev modules or modules that right. are marked as unsupported. And I think it's just, it's just a visual indication of what was already there. That was well, implied if you knew what the security team policy was. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it was we're because it doesn't apply to anything besides full releases. So alphas and betas were they green before, or are they green now still? They've always been green. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think this is a different delineation. Like they may be green, but they're not covered. Like that doesn't, they're not covered by the shield because I think because they won't have that sort of, you know, review process for security issues. Is that right? I don't know. So, so you're saying sort a release of. a release could be green and not have the shield? I mean, I think if it's an alpha, or I don't know if it's green, but um, I'm trying to think what is an alpha module I can look at. That's true. It could be an alpha release. That's an official well, release, but that's not going to get the... Yeah, green just means it's the recommended release, and that's something that the module maintainer can set. Yeah. So if they're recommending the beta release be used, then it shows up as green. But if it's not a full release and it's a beta release, then any security issues that are posted are going to be posted publicly. Yeah. So I'm looking at panels right now, and panels have a 7.3.7, which is green and has the shield. Uh, it has the 3.0, which is yellow. Uh, or 8 has an 8 3.0, which has a beta 4. It does not have the shield. Um, and I think that is because... I don't know about the colors, but I think the fact that it's a beta means it doesn't have the shield. Right. Yep. I think that's correct. Has to be a full release. All right. Well, cool. I just uh, go yeah, ahead. I think it's great. The shield is great. It's a great change. Yep. Yeah. I well, just want to make sure that we uh, we didn't mislead anybody with with what we were saying. But as far as like on each project page, where I think I don't know if it's just where there's a shield, but as a stable releases receive coverage link, so you could actually. Um, you know, click for yourself and see what it actually means. Don't trust. Yeah, but us. who? Who's? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's number one. Don't don't trust anything <laughs> we we say. Um, but secondly, honestly, who's going to click a link on the web? I mean, come on. What's this? You know, two thousand two. Please. Hey, okay. and uh, <laughs> answer my earlier question about uh, Drupal eight point two beta three. It does come with the uh, vendor libraries populated. If you download it. If you download if you, the tarball. Yes. Right, right, right. If you clone it, it does not, though. Right. Yes. We also have a previous podcast with people from the security team they could listen to, right? Exactly. That was pre-shield, but we do. Yeah, we can, but, but still, we can refer but, people back yeah, to the secret bunker. It's called secret bunker. I don't know the number. Yeah. I think the coverage is still the same. The shield just services it better. And who was the special guest on that? Anna, would you like to say who that was? <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. That was Peter Golanin. Golanin, yeah. It's really not that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be as much fun if Peter wasn't such like a good a good person. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so let's move on to some stories here. So there's a couple of blog posts from the Drupal Association. One from um, Bradley Fields about marketing um, and communication changes, and a second one from Rachel Friesen. Friesen, I think it's Friesen, right? Let's go with that. Um, about um, changes on the Drupal Association events team. So this is um, it's been a series of blog posts from each of the various, I don't know if divisions or departments is, I don't know what the right word is. I don't think it's divisions, but the various areas that the DA serves, um, just talking about, you know, now the Drupal is out and they've had to downsize the DA a little bit and they're kind of shifting their focus from supporting a, a D8 release to now, um, spreading the word, uh, and, and driving adoption for Drupal 8, um, the changes within the DA and, um, and, and what you know what those changes are. So one by one, there's there've been these blog posts about well what you know 
what will the marketing communications team now be doing and what things that they were doing before can are they not going to be doing anymore just due to you know time and, and money to be you know frank um so there's some just really clear blog posts and um you know it's like some of the work that the marketing communications team won't be doing in the future is um you know the community spotlights that you, you would see every now and then on drupal.org um one that kind of jumped out, and you know, one of the reasons I wanted to mention this is, it looks like association.drupal.org content is going to be phased out, um, and that's something that is you know going to be uh, happening. And there's no time frame here, but it, it you know they're basically saying that instead of posting content on that subdomain, it's going to be going directly on drupal.org or the appropriate um, uh, other subdomain. Um, they're going to um, not going to be working on building out new Drupal.org sec- sections in the near future, at least, um, or working on content management on Drupal.org on non-promoted sections. I'm not sure what that definition is, but um, they're scaling back on that, as well as uh, the Drupal store. So it's, it sounds like the Drupal store, which I'm not sure if too many people know about it, but it's store.drupal.org. Um, and it, it just basically sold community prod, um, products, um, but it sounds like the inventory is going to be liquidated and um, that subdomain is either going to go away or it's, it's going to be managed by somebody other than um, the Drupal Association. Um, in addition, there's some items um, that the DA um, is going to be looking to um, kind of move from under their purview to uh, community purview. Um, including global training days, email newsletters, and sticker distribution, which I know for those of us who run camps, um, you know, it's kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. So um, there's also a similar blog post about the events team. Um, And so they're going to be, unfortunately, um, reducing the uh, amount of scholarship funds that are going to be available for um, DrupalCons, um, and then some more just, I don't want to call it busy work, but things like if you're traveling to a DrupalCon that's not in your country and you need a visa, they're only going to be available um, via PDF. They're not going to be um, mailed anymore. Um, uh, let's see what else here. The scholarship reimbursement procedures, uh, they're simplifying those so that it's uh, less time consuming for, for DA staff. Um, as well as some other things like, you know, birds of a feather boards, um, rather than, you know, having someone from the DA in charge of, you know, writing them out every morning at, at, at DrupalCon. They're, they're going to be pre-printed just so it, you know, it's less of a, a time drain. Um, so by all means, we'll have these links in the show notes, uh, but check them out. Um, anyone have anything to add to those? I'm just kind of going to go through these unless someone... Well, uh, I, I think I think it's a sign of a healthy organization that had all of this stuff documented and then was able to look at it and go, how much time does this take? You know, how many of our man hours do we have left? And say, you know, leading up to a DrupalCon, we do not have time for all this stuff. So, um, you know... Anytime yeah, no, anything it's, changes, it, it's there's always going to be someone who complains about it. But I'm not that person. I like to try and figure out why it was happening. So, um, you know, obviously there have been some significant uh, staffing changes at the Drupal Association. So that's pretty much where all, almost all of this stuff is coming from, is just trying to optimize their time. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And I, I like the focus. I think that when 
organizations focus on fewer things, they tend to do the things that they are doing much, much better. Yep. So I think that's, you know, I, I really kind of like what I'm, what I'm seeing here and hope that it's a, uh, a sign of things to come. That the things that the DA is committing to, because they're kind of getting rid of, you know, these things that may have distracted, you know, hours or days from, from them, um, they're really going to be able to do a bang-up job on. So that's kind of that's kind of the dessert that I'm looking forward to after we eat all of our vegetables. <laughs> On a related uh, note, speaking oh. of vegetables, oh no, wait, that's later. Oh, don't yes, we got to leave. Make sure we leave time for that for sure. That's a, that's a teaser, Mike. That's what we call yes. it. Yes, Ted, you were, you had something there. I was going to say on a related note, I don't think uh, my wife's going to be very happy that you pointed out there's a store.drupal.org to me. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. You know, she's, I, I, I've met your wife. She understands the, uh, the uh, social contract of, of, of being a, a, you know, an active community member like you are. <laughs> she, she cordoned <laughs> off a bunch of my t-shirts and says, put these away. You can't wear them. <laughs> I like the fact that your wife doesn't refer to other community members by name, but by how you describe them to her. Oh, <laughs> I think my fi- I don't. I don't know what you're referring to, but. <laughs> but well, I'll say one of them because it's it's you know it's completely harmless. Is you know she refers to Larry Garfield as uh, black vest guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to remember than Krell if, yes. if you're not in the if you're not in the Drupal community. Well, that's his name in Japan, hugging black vest man. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, what I'm referred to as. In the Bowman household, like what? What terrible nickname do I have? Yeah, that's if any. Captain Ski <laughs> it it, It's probably just as bad if I don't have one. <laughs> I'm suddenly very sad. <laughs> I actually can't think of another one that somebody else she refers to in that way. That might be the only one. Okay. All right. Um, anyway, next story: uh, documentation overhaul. So, a nice blog post by TVN. Um, about some of the changes on Drupal.org in the documentation section. And number one, if you go to like the documentation section and, and, and find like one of the redone pages, you'll notice immediately, I mean, there's, there's um, typography improvements, there's uh, layout improvements, and there's starting to be organizational improvements as well. I mean, it's just a really nice modern look. Um, this blog post from TVN kind of outlines exactly what's been done, where they're going, where they need help. Um, it seems to be a very thoughtful approach to organization where there's going to be sections. And I, I don't know if they're using organic groups, but it sounds very groupish. where there's going to be what's called a documentation guide, which they call a container content type. And then within that, there's going to be various documentation pages. And it appears that the documentation guide and its 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 pages that it contains can be maintained by an individual. So I don't know if that's at a permission level or just from a, hey, keep an eye on these pages and make sure they stay updated um, idea. But it seems like it's, it, it's moving towards more organized control of various sections of the documentation. Um, needless to say, they need help. Um, and this is one of those things, if you're not a coder, if you're a site builder, but you want to get involved and you look at this, you know, hurdle in front of you of, oh, well, first I have to learn PHP, then I have to learn this, then I have to learn that. 
documentation is one of those areas where um, sometimes the less you know, the better off you are. Um, because people who are new to Drupal, who get involved with documentation, often have a perspective about Drupal that you know those of us who are jaded don't have anymore. Oh, so you're, they, ta- you're talking about the people who make the documentation. Yeah, what were you, the, what'd you think? I thought you were talking about the people who use the documentation. Like, don't worry, the less you know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, the no, other no, no, no. thing about documentation is it shows up on your user profile. It says how many documentation edits that you've done. Yeah, so that it shows cool about how many, which is part kind of, of silly, the but... user profile overhauls at some point. Yeah. Um, but check, I, I mean, I, I can't, it's one of those things where if you, there's a lot of people say uh, that they want to be involved in the community, but they don't know how, or they're, they're not a coder. Um, you know, we've talked about this in the podcast before. I mean, there's so many different ways to contribute back to the community that aren't code. Um, and, you know, they're all equivalent, um, you know, as far as importance to the community. And documentation is one of those that um, it, it's kind of... I think, in my opinion, it's easy to get into if you're comfortable writing. Um, it's easy to get into, even if you're comfortable editing or reading something and saying that doesn't make sense. I could tweak three or four words and and you know and make it more approachable from people. Um, so we'll have the link to this in the show notes. Uh, definitely check it out, and if you, if you get a chance, you know, go check out Drupal.org/documentation, um, and it's you know it 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 looks really kind of slick. So great work uh, from TVN and, and the rest of the team. And third story, coding standards. So we have some, I don't want to say that they're new coding standards, but the coding standard changes that have been discussed have been ratified. Some of them have been ratified. Um, so this is a blog post from Howard Tyson, Um and so a couple of things I just wanted to mention because I thought they were super interesting. And I'm going to ask Ted, um, because Ted, now that you're working on core as a, as a profession, you should probably know these things. Have you looked at this page yet, Ted? I have not. Okay. So which is preferred for not equals? Is it bang equals or the um, opposing angle brackets? Are we talking about PHP? Yes. I would think bang equals. Right. That is now an official coding standard. Oh, I didn't know that, you, I didn't even know you could use the other one. Yeah, yeah. So bang okay. equal is now preferred over um the opposing angle brackets. In Perl they call that the chomp operator and it does something totally different. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I knew you could use it in other languages. I just wasn't yeah, I guess I'd never used it in PHP. Yeah, I don't I can't remember the last time I've seen it in a Drupal module. So um, okay, another coding standard update that's been ratified. Uh, stop disallowing camel case for local variables and parameters. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so it used to be like you, we would only use camel case if, you know, in an object-oriented syntax, right? Um, context. Uh, but now it sounds like camel case is going to be, you know, accepted as a coding standard regardless of where you use it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I like dromedary case myself, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's another one here. um, um, And it's actually a question, so I'm trying to click through and my browser is giving me the spinning beach ball. But should we require a blank line after the opening PHP tag? 
Um, and I don't know which the one. The suspense is killing me, Mike. I know. <laughs> Let's see. Here we go. I'm going up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the answer to it. Oh, it's also God. really hard to read that question because it's got a question in the question just before yes. the question mark. Yes. So, so the- one thing I just uh, realized recently is there is an actually a um, there's a coding standards project like a Drupal module it's not a module but it's like that module page um where you can actually propose changes and stuff like that just thought was pretty cool all right so it is it is actually part of the coding standard that after the opening php you have a blank line yeah so you don't want to start your dot block or a use statement or something or the namespace i guess right after that if it's a if it's a class um, and then there's a few other ones that are awaiting approval and some other ones that are still in discussion. So we'll have a link in the show notes and you can check those out. But I thought I'd mention those because I kind of like coding standards. I think they're neat. Okay. Um, oh, no, my rundown crashed. <laughs> uh, I think we were on to uh, Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week! All right, well, let me go first because we're under the gun, so I'll make mine super fast. Mine is Drupal 8 module called Simple XML Sitemap. It's at drupal.org slash project slash simple underscore sitemap. It's basically a Drupal 8 version, a simpler version of the XML Sitemap module, which I believe XML Sitemap is still in alpha for Drupal 8, if I am correct. Um, but I've been using Simple XML Sitemap on DrupalEasy.com for over a month now, and it's it's been you know no problems whatsoever, so... Just wanted to mention that as my pick of the week. Anna, what do you got? Um, so while I was at a Midwest Developer Summit, and I totally blame Liz Joy for this, I uh, got some yarn from a thrift store, and uh, I've just started learning how to crochet. And so I posted a pattern to make an amigurumi duplicon. Whoa, you learned, you just learned how to crochet in your RD. That, that's pretty wild. Well, I I have knitting experience, yeah. and, like, I'd, I'd know, gotten the basics of crochet, but never really grokked, like, okay, what loop? Um, but then uh, somebody posted some links to Emigurumi patterns for various Pokemon, and I kind of went down the rabbit hole there. What, so, what word are you yeah. using there that I keep on missing? Amigurumi? I think it just means, like, stuffed animal, but I could be totally yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's, it's a... It's a, it's a a Japanese word. I don't know exactly what it means, but it just means making cute little stuffed animals okay. uh, that are crocheted. So Anna wasn't just... sure if she was going to actually be able to post this, and we were like, "Oh, just don't don't worry, just say it, and then you'll post it later." And we were like, "Oh, we'll just say it's awesome, even if it's not there." But I can attest that I can see it now, and it looks awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, so the the link to that pattern will be in the show notes. I've also just put it on Twitter. And I didn't understand it was a three-dimensional thing until I'm looking at it here. With my new three-dimensional monitor. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, so if if you've ever wanted to make a a three-dimensional Drupalicon little drop mascot out of yarn, um, I have posted instructions on how to do that. Do you have cats? No, you don't have cats. I have rabbits. Rabbits, yeah. Would they, like, be into playing with something like this? Um, Probably not the rabbits, but cats, definitely. Yeah. Especially if you filled it with, with uh, catnip. Catnip, yep. All right, super. Uh, Ryan, what do you got? 
I have a special request for my pick of the week from Mr. <laughs> Mike Canelo. He wanted me to discuss long beans, and now I'm talking about this. I realize I should put a link to my tweet about it. Um, in the house that we moved into a couple months ago, which I haven't gotten a lot of chance to talk about on the podcast yet, um, it's in an area of Portland called Mount Scott, and it's sort of like surrounded by trees. And this house was built in the mid-80s. It was a custom house for this guy. And he had a professional wok put in the kitchen. So I'm we jealous. were always just very weird, weirdly curious about like, what do you do with a wok? You know, like, how do you even cook with it? And we we did some experimenting, cooking with it, cooking like you would in just like a big frying pan. And it didn't come out super great. And then we got a recipe that was specifically made for wok. And it really broke my head. Like, you're you're only really supposed to cook one serving at a time in a wok. That's how you get it to be super hot and everything to be nice and crispy and everything like that. Um, so in order to do this, we had to go down to the Asian grocery store, of which there are several in very short distance from my house um, because it's the West Coast. And buy something called black soy sauce, which is a whole story in and of itself. And then Mm -hmm. long beans, which are a lot like green beans, except for they're about a foot to 16 inches long. And then you cut them up into teeny tiny little pieces in order to stir fry them. So they all cook fast and all get caramelized. But there's a picture of me holding my long beans. And then there's I did like a little photo collage with the dish we made, which is called holy basil. And so I don't know of a good place to put up that recipe, but maybe I'll make a gist for it, question mark. And so we can link to that recipe for holy basil and the photo of me with my beans. So I saw these two pictures, but I had no context for them. So now it makes more sense. Yeah, that's exactly why I asked Ryan to talk about it, because I saw the picture of him holding a giant fistful of long beans, going, what the hell's going on at the Price household? Now, <laughs> most importantly, this wok is gas-powered, right? It's, it has gas. Yeah, it's a gas wok. Okay, because I was going to say, if it doesn't, just... Burn it? Burn it to the ground? Yeah. <laughs> I actually do not have gas in my house. Well, I don't have gas for the... <laughs> You don't have <laughs> propane cooking gas, what, natural what, gas. You go outside all the time. Cooking. What do you do? We have gas for the water heater, but not gas for the. You have stove. a dog, right? Well, no, Otherwise, but... his house is a vacuum. He needs more space. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you have a dog. I'm pretty sure you have gas in your house. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm jealous that you have that, Ryan. Oh wait, you have a gas water heater, though. You just said so. You. I Just, could, yeah, I could have one probably. Let's start an uh, Indiegogo fund right now. <laughs> Buy Ted Bo some gas pipes. I think you just need to put like a little T, you know, in near the water heater, and then just set the walk right there, up right there next to the water heater. I think. That, I think I should. I could. I could do this myself, right? What? Could yeah, go that's wrong? probably perfect. I could go install on my own gas. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you live stream that. <laughs> All right. While we're Ted. on the note of my house, oh. I, I just one teeny tiny little quick note. I feel very accomplished. I ran an Ethernet wire under my house in the crawl space. Uh, I don't have any photos of that because it's really pretty boring and it's very dark and creepy and spider-filled down in the crawl space. But um, I'm officially a nerd. I've made my own Ethernet cables. I've done that. It, It feels good. 
but define made like you just you bought like a long cable and put your own ends on them or you yeah i put my own ends on it i have a patch panel so i can like i you know if i decide later that i want to install a switch down in the basement and like have other rooms connected on the network i can totally do it look at you you're a full-on homeowner that's what i mean you're cooking beans you're making ethernet cables good golly (laughs) good golly next you're gonna be wearing like a sweater vest I do wear a lot of sweaters because it's Portland and it rains and it's chilly. All right. Ted, we got eight minutes. What's your pick of the week? Okay. My pick of the week is something I know a little about, but looks interesting. It is the drewtopia.org site. Um, And this is something that was announced, I think, on the Chocolate Lily website. I don't know. Maybe it was announced other places. That's where I saw it. Or actually, I saw it because... Maybe Anna linked to it, but I think I had seen it before. Um, anyways, no, Mike linked to it. Anyways, it looks interesting. It's sort of like uh, maybe a cooperative of Drupal shops, or I don't. That's join the movement, build a Drupal for the grassroots. It looks like a, like a distribution is going to be involved. Yeah, as well. So, I actually saw on um, – I subscribed to some RSS feed from Drupal.org of, like, new projects, and I saw a bunch of Drutopia projects hit. I think it was maybe yesterday or last night or something. Yeah, so I think this is something that's evolving. It looks interesting. It's, you know, looking on collective decision-making for for whatever this ends up being, cooperative economic model. So definitely something I, I want to keep my eye on. And I know um, – you know, there's been um, attempts in the past or there's been a distribution open outreach that's sort of um, geared towards nonprofits. And I think some of the same people are involved. Uh, so I think open outreach was, I feel like it was pretty successful. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it looks like an interesting uh, project. I feel like from the wording, though, that this is casting a wider net than open outreach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. It doesn't seem like it's just your distribution. It definitely seems like a lot right. more, more ambitious. All right, very cool. So, Ted, you are officially our uh, senior Drutopia correspondent. <laughs> so. Well, as long as there's a junior correspondent that I can, you know, assign tasks to. Well, there's, you have to find someone. I mean, that's part of being in a leadership position you've got to build yeah. your own team. Yeah. So... Okay, yes. so we've got about five minutes left for five questions. Yeah, five questions. <laughs> I'm going to uh, skip ahead to that so we get this done. And so Ted and I talked about this, and we decided that since he's already done five questions, he's not going to do them. Instead, Mike, you get to do them. Whoa, Ted's already done them? Yeah, I think I did them once when I was uh, like uh, the same kind of thing where there wasn't a guest. I didn't okay. verify this yeah. this claim, however. No, I, 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 I am relying fully on Ted's. I have. Mike, quit stalling. All Anna, right. Anna, give him the questions. Okay. Mike, go. Name something interesting you do outside of Drupal. Um, boo, boy, interesting. That's the hard part right there, huh? I do a lot of things that aren't so interesting. I guess the most, you know, the thing I currently do is I, I, I paddleboard a lot. So I'm lucky enough to live somewhere that I'm, I have a lot of water around, and uh, yeah, I paddleboard and I go. You know, um, there are dolphins and manatees and fish and cool places. Can to you explore. do that year round? 
Uh, yeah, I can. There's you know, there's a few weeks, you know, during the winter where it's, you know, probably too cold to do it. But, you know, I would say a good 10, 11 months out of the year. Yeah, I can so do it. Is it just you out on the paddleboard or is there somebody else on the paddleboard with you? <laughs> Occasionally there is a, a small, maybe not small, a medium-sized furry dog with me. Nice. Yeah. Picture I, didn't happen. Yeah, there's there's stuff on Twitter <laughs> of the dog picks. and I. Yeah, actually, there's one not too. I posted one not too long ago of. Uh, I th- I let's say I threw her or I I I threw her off the paddleboard into the water. Um, what? Well, she's got a little Animal floaty. Abuse. No, she's got a floaty. She jumps off half the time, but you know. So I and I, you know, I just wanted her to get some exercise. So I, she has a floaty and she swam. She goes swimming for a little while. And I took a picture of her swimming near the paddleboard. Um, yeah, so I guess that's probably right now. I, I deem that interesting. Okay, yeah. All right. I go with, you know, every now and then I'll go with, you know, I have a couple other friends who paddleboard and, um, you know, some who kayak and stuff, so sometimes we'll go out together, but a lot of times I'm just me or, or me and the dog. All right. Name the last piece of software you installed. Oh, golly. Um, it's got to be something on my phone because I don't change my laptop all that often. Um, this is going to be kind of a boring one, but my kids are, you know, they're teenagers and they're involved in quite a few sports and one of their sports teams has, um, every, you know, the store, they have Dick's Sporting Goods everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Dick's has like a, I don't know how it actually works, but if you have a team, you can register your team and post all of your information about your team on their website and it gets fed to this app. So I downloaded this app and I signed up and I kind of, you know, the, the kids' teams give me like a password or something to use to type in and then all the information about my kids' teams, the schedules and like real-time information and scores and rosters is all right there. So it's We kind know of a, of a Drupal site cool. that does that. We do, don't we? Yeah. All winners. Yep. Yeah. Based out of Dallas, I think, right? Somewhere that sounds Texas, right. Yeah. Going with Texas for sure. Yep. That's probably the last piece of software I've I've installed though. Cool. Unless Pokemon Go counts. Does Pokemon Go count? Totally counts. It always <laughs> counts. <laughs> well that too then. <laughs> I won't say which one I use more. <laughs> I'm not judging. Uh what is a goal that you have not accomplished yet that is terrifying? Oh um, Probably a goal. I don't know if I'll ever actually reach this goal, but I would love to be able to, before my kids start college, have like the money for college completely saved up or an estimate. Yeah. So that they don't have to have student loans or anything. That's kind of okay. Now we're going to start an Indiegogo, send Mike's kids to college. (laughs) Yeah. Because. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty bright kids, so I'm pretty sure they're both going. But yeah, so we're I mean we're doing fine. Um but that would that's kind of one that, you know, at night when I'm going to sleep I'm like, Oh, how can how can I make that happen? Mm. That's a serious one too. Yeah. It's important <laughs> though. Yeah. What is the last exotic animal that you've hand fed? Oh. I'm gonna have to go with I think giraffe. Um, and Ryan, you might know this. Have you, there's a zoo not too far from my house. It's like a little small local zoo. zoo. Yeah. The Brevard zoo. And they've got the coolest giraffe exhibit I've ever seen 
where they've got like this platform that's raised and you know three or four times during the day you can buy these biscuits and you know you basically buy the biscuits and you hold them out and the giraffes walk up to you and because you're on a raised platform like their heads are level with your heads and they they just come for those biscuits <laughs> you know it's great because you can like pet their heads and they've got these you know, massively long purple tongues that come out and kind of like grab the biscuits it's it's pretty phenomenal yes. remind me not to shake hands with you well I, I, I use you know hand sanitizer a couple times a week at least so <laughs> I, I will okay, say I do have the opportunity to feed manatees a lot because when I'm out in the water um, well, but you're not supposed to like touch them or go near them because technically they're endangered um, and I haven't don't actually feed done the manatees. yet well, I'm sorry don't feed the manatees you don't feed the manatees but I'm, I tell you every time I'm like near one I'm so tempted to like you know grab like a head of lettuce and you know have them have them munch off my out of my hands because they look like you know they look like little you know these these big floppy heads with these huge whiskers i don't know they're kind of cool looking hey i mean those long beans you know if you hold those out you're no you're still like a good foot and a half away from the manatees so the drew felicity podcast is not advocating feeding manatees (laughs) no no don't do that don't do that all right is that the last one or we have one more uh no one more what was your tipping point drupal moment Oh boy! Um, I actually think Ryan was probably part of it. I think when we started doing meetups in Orlando, and it was you know myself and Ryan and Andrew, and there were what two or three other people there. Ryan, well, the first John couple. and Eric were there for sure, and uh, yeah, Darren, and John, yeah. So I think when we first started having those regular meetups and. You know, we all kind of started showing up and we would take turns presenting. And, you know, I noticed that, you know, my um, my uh, skills grew very quickly once that started. And just kind of knowing that there were other folks in the area doing it and I could learn from them and they can learn from me. And um, that that was kind of the first time I had had that experience in open source in such a, like, a meaningful way. So I, I think that was probably... Uh, you know, the the start of the Orlando meetups, probably. Well, it, was, it was right after DrupalCon Boston. And uh, there was yeah. also a really odd Belgian connection because Mike has family who live in Belgium. Right. I have family who used to live in Belgium. There was a guy there who gave himself a Flemish nickname. And then we all had this quick discussion about how Drupal was from Belgium. So... Uh, who was the guy was that gave him the Belgian nickname? Jack from Military.com. Oh, yeah, from like Tampa or something. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, that, I'm tempted to go back it. and see if Military.com is still a Drupal site. I haven't seen that guy, Jack, in years, but... Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, cool. Well, let's... Um... All right, well, thank you, Anna, for, for that. I think. For hijacking the podcast. For hijacking the podcast. Uh, Anna, where can people find you online? I am a colada. All right. And Ryan? I am Liberator with the Web 2.0 spelling, and I've decided I'm going to put that recipe up on ryanpricemedia.com. I don't think I've ever actually put anything on there that says I moved to Portland, so <laughs> maybe <laughs> it'll be a good uh, reason to have a blog post. Yeah, my last blog post was like well over a year ago. <laughs> And Ted, where can people find you online? 
Ted Bow on Drupal.org or Twitter. Or Ted Leaf. I bet you Ted had to go because he, he's the one who had the heart out. So anyway, I think uh, Ted's gone. Uh, Ted Bow on Drupal.org or Twitter. Oh, you're still here. All right. You're late now, for a meeting, dude. Ted, what, what's that? Aren't you late and, for a meeting? And now I'm gone. All right. Okay. Thanks, Ted. Yeah, hey, thank you very much for answering all of our questions about Outside yeah. In. Great to talk to everybody. Talk to you guys soon. Right. Bye. See ya. And um, Drupal Easy is at DrupalEasy.com and at Drupal Easy on the Twitter and pretty much everywhere else. Um, finally, let's thank WebEnable.com and DevPanel.com where you can build, manage, and deploy your Drupal and other open source content management system applications. Definitely check them out. If you want to hear more episodes, you can go to DrupalEasy.com slash podcast or search for DrupalEasy on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other of the various podcast platforms. If you're interested in what we're going to be talking about in the next episode or the next couple of episodes, you can check us out on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Drupal Easy Podcast. And finally, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail and uh, perhaps you'd like to get um, a uh, crochet pattern. Do we call them patterns, Anna? Yes. A crochet pattern. Oh, here. Why don't I say it? Amigurmi? Groomy. Any group. Right, at least I'm, I'm guessing on the on the pronunciation, it's one of those don't judge a person if they mispronounce something because it means they've only learned it by reading. Well, this is the Drupal Easy Podcast, and that's kind of our motto. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I, I say Ami Grumi. <laughs> so if you like, spell it correctly. If you like one of those patterns, um, or you'd like to leave a pattern, or you'd like to ask Ryan a question about long beans, or for that matter, any other of the various bean species... You can call us in the U.S. at plus one, three, two, one, three, nine, six, two, three, four, zero. And I think that does it for episode number 185 of the Drupal Easy podcast. Anna and Ryan, thank you very much for your time. No problem. And we'll see everybody next time on the Drupal Easy podcast. See ya!